And we are back. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Daily Dots. Back here, as always, with the Brain Trust, Mr. Chase Taylor. Just chopping up another day. Uh, looks like the Dow's finishing down, what, 20 bips, something like that? Yeah, but we don't talk about the Dow, remember? Yeah, yeah that's right. It's like, what, what is the name of that? The we, index that shall not be named. We don't talk about Bruno. Wait, I, I, the, I, I know I have all of these Disney songs in my head. I know them all. I can recite most of the movies to you. That it's my oldest child is thirteen. My youngest is nine. So I'm well versed. I, I can take any conversation and spin it back to some kind of Disney animated movie. Just so you know, which is this is why people tune into the dots every day. By the way, uh, so we don't talk about the Dow, but S and P right around point two. Nasdaq up about point four five. Yeah, 0.3.4 for those two. Okay, 0.3.4. Netflix earnings after the bell. I don't really have a view on those one way or the other. I just think that company's laughably overpriced, um, which means it'll probably go up another 20% in after hours. <laughs> right? <laughs> if it's overpriced, it's going to do well. Um, what did we have? I think the big story, at least from my perspective on the wheat chase, is going to be uh, oh, yeah, except for the Dow, NASDAQ. Still, Q's another high, another yeah, all time high. Another Q's. Nasdaq is still about 800 points off its all time high. Um, again, I, I think the Nasdaq has served us pretty well as an indicator um, all the way back from the end of 2021 when we said we're not going to be watching the S&P for Q's. We're going to be watching the, for Q's. That's some irony there. Um, we're not going to take our Q's from the S&P. We're going to be watching the Nasdaq. That has been the way to go, at least from our perspective. I think that's been a much more accurate indicator. Um, and so until I see that breakout of the NASDAQ to new all-time highs, um, still going to be looking for a pullback here uh, is my thoughts. But um, we're getting closer and closer to that point where we've got a little bit of a short on on NASDAQ right now. We're, we're, we're net long uh, that we just put on yesterday or Friday. Um and we're already pulling pretty close to our bail levels, aren't we? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we, we could be out of that by the end of the week for sure. So we'll see where the way that goes. Uh, what do we got other than big tech earnings, which I think are probably going to – you know, I again, it's, it's silly to speculate just because when I look at the valuations, I, I don't I – don't, it's hard for me to imagine anything announcing any results that are going to mean meaningful upside. Um, they definitely could – engender some serious downside I, I although i wouldn't really be expecting that based on fourth quarter what we saw out of the fourth quarter i, I like I, I i wouldn't be surprised by some modest beats some modest misses I, I i haven't dug into big tech at all i just i i would be surprised if there was a now get into some of the chip makers you know what whatever that that's a different story but as far as big tech goes I, i'll be surprised if there are big movements one way or the other yeah, I never have any clue on how they how those things are going to go. Yeah, but what I will say is, judging by uh, what I'm what I'm reading here from Netflix that just came out, uh, the street was expecting them to to add 8.9 million customers, and they added 13.1. Good God! So I'm I haven't seen what it's doing yet. You can look it up, but it's probably going gangbusters. I mean, again, though, it's just so stupid that stock's got it all priced in. Yeah, it's up 5.2 in the after hours, up to 5.18. Closing back on its ridiculous 2020 closing, well, ridiculous 2021 closing high was 632. 
so yeah, they've added they added a bit of people, so that'll I'm sure they'll be fine here. Um, but yeah, as far as the rest of big tech earnings, I mean, I have no idea. I, I mean, but I love it when you're reading. Well, I'll add something though, and that is on the day, uh, small caps were down. Dr. Horton. Um, their their earnings were not appreciated by the market, so home builders were down. Um, the dollar was up about 0.2 percent. Um, the thirty year bond yield was up about five basis points. So the front end was was pretty flat, but long end bumped up a little. So another dollar up rates up day. Oil uh, down a tiny bit, down about 0.3 percent. So I, you you can still see some pressure forming along the rates dollar energy complex. I reading through this court, I I continue to not understand how this market prices things. That's a that's a substantial miss they had on earnings. Barely beat on revenue. I, I just I, how these things. I just this is a pretty basic company. This isn't hard to price out. I just look at this and I go, how in the world? Why in the world would anybody pay fifty times earnings for this? I just can't. I've got nothing against it. I'm a subscriber. I just don't under the math. You can't even make the math work. I, I why you'd buy this at 50 times earnings. I, and, and you know, if you have it and you're making money, great. I, I don't, like I said, I don't hate the company. I think they're a good company. I think they're well ran, well managed 50 times. Earned. Why? Yeah. And they're, uh, they're film chiefs leaving to start a new company. So yeah, I just, I just will never understand why people will pay this for, uh, and, and, and I just want to be clear. When I say they're there, well, and I've talked about this before many times, but I think they're, they're a very good company and I think it's a horrible business. I think streaming is an awful business. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably, probably might be in my top five last businesses I would want to get into, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and that's what makes the premium even more confusing. The revenue growth isn't there anymore. The earnings growth isn't there anymore. Earnings are missing, even though you I mean, you miss on earnings in a platform like that when you beat on subscribers that big. I mean, if you want to know what's wrong with the business, there, there you go. I just, I don't get it. I, I just, I just do not understand why people pay a premium for this business. I just, you, to pay this business, this is the most, you know, on most metrics. Yeah, revenue growth seven point seven percent a year. That was that's year the year over year. Number. Yeah, year over year. You would think adding that many subscribers, you could do a little more than that. And I think they've raised prices in the last year too, so they must be hemorrhaging on at twenty times earnings. I just, I or excuse me, at fifty times earnings. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. It's really bizarre. They did go out of their way to say, "Look, like we're not going to do this again in, in Q1." So I, they, well, they even starting to lose a little. Steam yeah, so I, I think the context added by them to say, "Hey, look, like that." We're not going to do bad, but like we're not doing that again, folks. Is no. What I mean is, and, and you know, there's a lot of people that'll throw out these anecdotal things, and and we love anecdotes, but but you know, I just I think a lot of times it's kind of lazy when we're talking about these stocks. I, I just the one basic thing I would, I think one of the hardest things I have with this market is just not even being able to understand, right? Like, I mean, looking looking at Netflix, how why, why are you valued there? Yeah. I mean, you can ask that question about anything. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, there's a lot of companies you can point to. I think we've got a lot of them in our portfolio that we can walk through and we can be like, yeah, here's why we own it. And it's giving me an absolute phenomenal return on a cash flow basis when compared to the S&P and value. You got all these things that you point to and, you know, all the, then you look around at this Netflix at these value. And again, I want people to realize I'm, this isn't me being angry that I don't own Netflix. 
right? This isn't me like, you know, this isn't sour grapes or, you know, this isn't me raging. I it just, it's a legitimate question. I think it's what makes one of the, it's one of the things I, at least for me, that makes this market so hard to navigate is it's not that I disagree with it. It's not that I'm taking the other side of it. I just look at so many of these companies and I go, I don't understand it. You know, you know what I mean? Like just on an investing basis, I, I break these numbers down. I'm looking, I'm going, I wouldn't buy this thing at a 40% discount to its current market cap. You know, there's a price I would pay if it was trading at half the valuation, maybe, you know, but then you flip over and look at the revenue growth rate and you're like, why am I paying a premium for this? Right. You know, I just, I, I don't get it. And I, there's, like you said, there's so many out there and, and I'm, I also want to be clear. I'm not saying I know what this means. The, 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 so much of this stuff is traded at expensive valuations and, and, and valuations for a very long time that make no sense. But, you know, you go back in time five years on Netflix when revenue was growing at 30 to 35% a year, I get the multiple. Now you're at 7.7 and you're still sporting in that business, a business that produces in the best of times, 18, 19% margins, right? Why or why? Yeah, I'm struggling with how you, how you beat on, on the revenue side crush it on the membership side and then miss on earnings that like that doesn't feel content feel creation great. cost man it's the same thing and that's the other reason i, I it's a reason like the, the same reason i don't like netflix is the same reason i is the same reason that the networks have just withered away which is no matter how great of content you come up with the minute that content airs it's over Right. I mean, you can keep re-airing it. You know, you can get some residual income streams off it, but not much. And you that, you know, like where you look at a business like a Google or Amazon, right? Like the way I always look at this is, you know, certain businesses are turnstiles and certain businesses are like internal combustion engines. You know, meaning you build the turnstile once and it just sits there and collects money for you. Right. Right. Whereas if you got an engine, there's upkeep on the engine. The engine only runs if you're constantly putting fuel in it. You got to constantly be feeding it, right? You got to constantly be feeding it. And and that rate of feeding doesn't slow down. Whereas if you look at a business like Google, right, they're scalable, right? Meaning, you know, and, and Netflix is to a certain degree, but I think the big advantages of its scaling have already been realized, you know, like meaning Amazon is not going to grow over the next 10 years at the same pace it grew over the last 10, right? So, but, you know, like, anyway. Not with that attitude. <laughs> yeah, being Mr. Negative here, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just I, – you look at so many of these businesses, and I, I will still – I'm still amazed. It's really weird. It's sort of like watching a bubble pop and all of the things pop, and then the only thing that doesn't really correspond to it is price. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, listen to uh, the most recent Odd Lots podcast with the Brevin Howard, chief economist and head of research. Um and he, he mentioned something that I didn't remember that kind of blew my mind. And that was, he talked about the like two weeks after um, Bear Stearns failed, how if you go back and look at how like shockingly bad the employment reports were, mm-hmm. but, but talking about in those two weeks, the market went up. Now, obviously those employment reports got revised later. They didn't look near as bad in real time. But still, I mean, Bear Stearns went down, and the market went up those two weeks. And and something what I really didn't remember was the the week that Lehman failed, the market was up. And he was talking about like, you know, it's not 
and we've talked a million times about the the COVID period where it's like and they actually talked they actually talked about this on the show too, where it's just kind of obvious this thing's coming and the market's like, cool, whatever, up. Um so it's just not it's not that uncommon to have the market just completely not care about something the until the very was end. Positive the week of Lehman. I don't remember that. That was what he said. Man, I would love to go back. I remember it's easy that. to look up, so I'll look it up. Well, I remember that so specifically because September fifteenth, that Monday, was my first day at Wells Fargo Advisors. That was when I moved from Russell to Wells Fargo. So I literally walked into the office that morning at six thirty at market open because it was, you know, it was still kind of the old traditional brokerage firm, right? Everybody needed to be there at market open. And I mean, just Katie barred the door. I mean, everything was just falling like a lead weighted, you know, lead balloon that morning. But I mean, but if I remember correctly, I mean, I think the Dow was down like seven or eight percent that day alone. I don't think there's any way it rallied back positive. Maybe it was like the month then, or like the week Maybe after. Maybe it was the week, month. Week Maybe it was the month. Yeah. I could be wrong. I, I just, I, I, you know, the Dow stopped was stopped in my tracks whenever you said it. If I remember correctly, I think the Dow was coming from a place of like, you know, 11,000 or something like that. And I remember it being down like a thousand plus points that day. Maybe, maybe that's not where it closed. Anyway, it's just hard to have a day where you're down six to 8% and make it up by the end of the week. Yeah. You don't usually see that happen. Of course, in this market, you could be down eight or eight or 10% on a Monday and be finished the week up five. You know, in this market, if you get enough, if you get enough bad, bad data, no, but I, but I see this, this phenomenon happening all over the place, Chase, and I really don't know what to make of it. And I, meaning, um, I have never seen stocks get that high in value, have them fall, have so many of them be revealed for not being what everybody thought they were going to be at the peak. And yet, Interest rates go up. All of the conditions around those stocks changes. Their revenue rates almost universally decline massively in terms of growth, right? Annual growth percentages. And these things are making a run back to their bubble highs. I mean, so when I think of something like semiconductors that just had, you know, whatever it was, like 8 9% year-over-year decline. Like, so you can look at something like that in, in that in that light. But looking forward, you know, it's probably going to be a 20% year-over-year gain this coming year. So a lot of it, as much as we like to, to hammer the market for not pricing in the future very well, like some of it is these industries have bottomed out. And the and the year-over-year earnings declines we've seen, are, they're dead. Like it's going to turn into year-over-year earnings increases, like for sure. And What companies are you talking about? What, what are you talking about? I, I mean, any, anything in the semiconductor space, like, like like TSM, which we talked a lot about today. I mean, they they had a horrific 2023. Yeah. And but now, you know, instead of going down 10, 15 percent year over year, they're going to go up 20 percent year over year. How did they have a horrific 2023 when they were making all those chips for NVIDIA? I mean, at the end, the, the crazy thing is NVIDIA is a, a small customer for them. That is, that is a small piece of their business. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, it's like le- it's less than ten percent of their revenue. Yeah, those businesses I understand, but I'm talking about the businesses that were, you know, I'm talking about the classic high flying dot com style businesses that we saw in this cycle. You know, your Shopify's, your trade desks, you know, these things that were trading at thirty, forty, fifty. Shopify got up to like sixty five times revenue at one point, and 
Now, to be fair, at that point, you know, there were a couple quarters they posted. I think they were growing revenue 60 to 70 percent a year, right? I mean, they were blowing and going. Well, that revenue growth rate's down to 22 percent, and that thing's crept back up to 20 20 times earnings or 20 times revenue, 15 to 20 times revenue anyway, and and bleeding a billion dollars a year in cash. And you're just looking at it and going, look, I, I, I haven't studied the business, but I think that they've got a smart CEO. I think they offer a lot of great advantages for small business owners and, and a great product suite and things like that. Um, that being said, you, you, you look at the valuation, you look at the revenue growth rate, you look at all the financials and you're just left scratching your head going 50% of this market cap is smoke and mirrors, you know, like I, and it's just bizarre in this environment with rates doing what they've done with the growth rates on these things. You know what I'm saying? It's not like these things are the little engine that could, and they don't give, give a darn and they're just shrugging off higher rates and they're still cranking along at 40 to 50 times percent revenue growth per year. They're not. And yet everybody's still paying up for it. I, it just blows my mind. Yeah. I, the only thing I can say is people, I mean, when we look at the aggregate earnings forecast growth, they probably just think it's going to go back up to that. That's all. I mean, that, that's the only thing I can even think of. By the way, I looked it up. I you can see it. Sure enough, the market the market closed green the week of September fifteenth. Bare, barely, no, but shit. it did, and it. I mean, it had a you know horrific start, but so sure. the market was so they got obliterated the three weeks after that. So what the market was thinking that week was okay. Here's the here's the worst of it. They were probably, uh, probably it. that, and like hey, the bottom. And, and the Fed came in, you know, with the the money bazooka. So yeah. Here's the bottom. That's what the market was thinking. And then, yeah, it Fascinating. Was kind of in a way, just the beginning. Fascinating. Well, that's the the other thing we were talking to is about the data that came out today. Really quick, we got to finish up here. But what what was that? Kind of give us a brief summary on the data today because it it, it is coming out hotter as you and I were have expected, and we're still very early in the year. So you certainly cannot jump to any conclusions. What I will say, though, and you can give us the details, is that the data so far has been a bit more mixed than we would have thought. I think there's some data that's hotter. I think there's some data that's markedly colder than we would have thought. So, I, I, so far, my read on the data has been is is inconclusive. It's a little weaker than I would have thought overall. I don't I don't think you can call it weak data. Um, but what are your thoughts? Kind of give us a summary of the data. That came yeah. Out. So first and foremost, I think it's important to separate hard and soft data because hard data keeps coming in essentially stronger than expected and, the, and soft data is doing the opposite. Now that's been the trend really for the last year and a half. It's, it's what led a lot of people to, uh, including myself, call for a recession last year was how bad some of the leading data was, how bad some of the soft data was, and, and the hard data just never agreed so we're still in that regime where survey data, stuff like that, um, these diffusion indexes from regional um, Fed, Fed um, banks and stuff like all looks looks bad. And then you know you have an employment report or um, retail sales or industrial production, anything like that comes out and it's fine. Um, so m- kind of more of that today. Philly Fed's non-manufacturing that thing dropped a, a decent amount. So. Another services PMI that's not great, um, but but more important was to me it was the Richmond Fed's uh, manufacturing index. First of all, I mean, it was negative eleven last month. It's been negative forever. Um, it was surveyed to get a little better to go to negative eight, instead it put a negative fifteen, which whatever, who cares? But within within all of these, there's a whole bunch of different um, categories where they have to answer, um, including the employment one. And the employment one was a bloodbath. This thing 
put in the, the worst print of the cycle by a mile. And that combined with stuff like the ISM services employment metric, that did the same thing, just fell off a cliff. It's just, now there are plenty of other, you know, very similar data sets that are like kind of weak, but not that big a deal on the employment side. But to see two that are, that are kind of well followed, like empire manufacturing, like you can kind of like laugh off because it's doesn't seem to be that great. But, like I don't think Richmond it falls in the same bucket of like something you shouldn't pay that much attention to. So the fact that it printed as bad as it did on the employment side tells me, hey, like, yes, we called for the, the hot Q1. We think rates can move higher. Inflation can start to rebound. But we're not cutting seven times this year as of now. That that has to go back to probably two through four, and and that that could all still be true. But to see the employment subset of a few data points weakening and as we covered in detail on the show the the last actual jobs report had a lot of very bad things under the hood um it's just pointing you know kind of painting a picture of at least the window of a vulnerability for the labor market to actually start to show meaningful decline in the hard data It, it it seems to be more open than it has been in the past yeah, and that court corresponds with the anecdotal that we've gotten from some of our clients that are fairly high up in some pretty well-known corporations who have said that they expect the, the, the layoffs and the job losses, at least from their industry and their company in particular, to start at the end of March. Uh, it'll be really it's, – it's, it's maybe we're the only ones that are into this. I mean, we've got plenty of people listening to us, so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of other econ nerds out there. But I continue to just be marveled and fascinated by this whole cycle. It's like watching – I feel like observing the cycle is like the best economics class I've ever taken. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's such a wild scenario. You know what I mean? It's like a – it feels like the last three years have been like the final, like the final essay question on your, on your term paper to finish your economic – you know what I mean? Like we've had a little of everything thrown at us, right? For sure. Greatest fiscal, biggest five-week route of all time, biggest fastest bounce back of all time, biggest monetary stimulus, biggest fiscal stimulus. I mean, just across the board, right? Fastest rate hike of all time. Um, it's yeah, it's really remarkable. Yeah, no doubt. Anyway, all right, what do we got coming up this week? I mean, I think the biggest thing on the week is tech earnings, right? Yeah, that will obviously we get mortgage applications tomorrow. Um, S and P's. Um, PMIs come out tomorrow, so both manufacturing and services. They, I, I would argue, they have a high bar up up, up around fifties. So those could disappoint if if they follow the trend of these these other ones. Um, Thursday we'll get uh, GDP, personal consumption, uh, all that kind of stuff for the fourth quarter, which we're, we're they're showing two percent for GDP. I, I would assume it comes in higher than that. Um. So yeah, we'll we'll see how the rest of the week goes. All right. Well, you guys have a good one. We will be back tomorrow to summarize what we see, maybe some earnings to talk about and discuss. But uh, until then, we'll see you tomorrow. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe to knowyourriskradio.com. Right on. Thanks, pal.
The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.